0: welcome to the summit for wellness podcast where we help you climb to the peak of your health and now
1: here is your host brian carroll Hello
0: and welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast. I am your host, Brian Carroll, and today's episode is brought to you by Hana One, which is an Ayurvedic herbal blend that I love to use to help support my immune system and for its adaptogenic properties, which helps to reduce the stress levels at the cellular level. It's a product I highly recommend and I love to use it. So go check it out at summitforwellness.com slash H-A-N-A-H. Okay, we are all pretty familiar with the five different senses of the body, such as sight, smell, touch, taste, and hearing. But could there potentially be a sixth sense that we might not know a whole lot about? Well, my guest today, Gotta Leave of BeFitAnywhere.com, is here to talk to us about this idea of a sixth sense of the body. So if you are curious, then let's dive into this episode and have a little chit-chat with God to Leave to learn how this sixth sense has evaded us for so long. So let's get right to our interview. God to Leave is on a mission to reunite your body with the ability to play and stay fit through exercise by providing quality personal training and fitness services to those who prefer to exercise in a non-gym environment. Thanks, God to Leave, for coming onto the show.
1: Hey, it's nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: So I know you are a fitness trainer, but I would love to hear a little bit more about your background. What brought you into the fitness field?
1: Well, actually, um, I'll try to keep a, a long story short, but in the, um, I used to be a banker for 15 years and was a gym rat. And I used to actually work out very hard in the gym, and as most people do without proper training, I got hurt. So um, when I eventually left the banking field, to to raise my children that i went starting in the um, fitness industry looking for work there and landed up becoming a personal trainer because i was one of those people that were broken and it was my mission then to train people properly so they wouldn't be broken like i did so and and from there I became a certified personal trainer, a group X instructor. Um, then I got into kickboxing and boxing fitness and body sculpting and indoor you know, spin, all the traditional things that you would find in a gym. So that kind of was how it got me into the fitness field.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like you just dove straight into it. What was the transition like though from being a banker to becoming a fitness trainer?
1: Well, the the, Thing that was different is that um, I didn't have to wear a suit anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but the, the things that was really nice that in when I was in the banking field, I was I ran the branches. I was in a um, advertising and in, in the corporate side of it, and I had my staff. And I always like to coach, train, and develop them, and see them move on and move forward. So I when I ran operational meetings for the assistant branch managers and. Um, where I took all that desire I brought into my training of the clients. And um and I've had a couple of um um people that have that have worked under me here at the studio, and you know they I got to coach, train, and develop them. So education has always been my driver because once you own your information. You can take it anywhere and that you know that you most likely can make the best decision to stay safe.
0: And so we know with a lot of fitness trainers that when they get into the field, they're taught very traditional type exercises, uh, very traditional lifts. At what point did you decide to start expanding outside of the norm and start learning more about the stuff that they teach at like the Gray Institute and more of the functional movement type of approach?
1: Well, I always thought that there was something wrong because a lot of times, as I say, people get done with dumbbells and a lot of injuries come from that from that approach. So when I would be working in the, with the women in the gym, I would always put some form of vested interest as if they were doing a low row, instead of pulling the weight up and down the stack, I would end up saying, grab your child from the ribs and tell them to come here and then lower your child back down. Or another one be if they had their elbows out and doing an upright row, I would say, okay, it's a dirty child and put your dirty child back down. So it'll end up being a whole body of experience versus just an arm and a dumbbell. And that, that always inspired me then to take that whole body approach. And when I got introduced to um, applied functional science with the Gray Institute, it was just a natural fit.
0: And I'm curious, when you start putting more of real-life situations into the exercises like that, do you see uh, that translate into more compliance from the clients that you're working with? Or is there not really a correlation there?
1: Oh, I definitely get more compliance. Not always necessarily that they're going to do their exercise program. But where I get compliance is in the daily action of the move. So when you have an elder person let's say that has to take a plate um, a stack of plates from the counter and put them into the cap- up into the cabinet that they're going to remember that we did that exercise and I get compliance in the daily action not necessarily compliance since that they're going to do the workout which to my opinion is more important
0: right it gives people context for what it is they're trying to do and what the exercises are for now you also mentioned that with exercises or trying to get the whole body involved, which is a great lead into utilizing our five different senses that we know of. Can you talk about those five different senses?
1: Well, Brian, actually, you know, we, we make comment that there's five senses, but in my opinion, there's six. And um, that is utilizing the neurosystem, or as we would say, the proprioceptive of system of the body. And that is the internal communication where the nervous system then talks to the brain and then talks back to the body. We are very, very busy that we don't hear what the body is saying. And um, so if you have your traditional senses of sight, touch, hearing, um, oh, geez, suddenly I forgot about the other two, but we know what they are, that how does your body know that when you have an arm elevated in the air? You can't taste it. You can't smell it. You can't feel it. So how does your body know? And that is the sixth sense. That's the proprioceptive sense. That's the communication of the muscles and the bones, the connective tissue, talking back to the brain. And it's a very, very powerful system.
0: So can you go a little bit more into how the proprioceptors work with the body? Like, what are all the different systems that they can help out with, and how do we start communicating more with them?
1: Well, knowing that there's going to be a little bit more of uh, the science in this, I actually went through it just to refresh my memory, because I've, tra- I've trained it on this level for so long, that you have um, your extra receptors that kind of give you a stimulus about what's going on outside of the body. Are you being sensitive to heat? Is there cold? Things that are nearby, but not necessarily on you. Then you have your interceptors, and they're the p- pieces that tell you what your blood pressure is. Are you thirsty? Um, you know what the stretch of the of your organs are. What the you know where everything's positioned. How big you know if your lungs are expanded or not. That internal system is there. But the proprioceptors, um, there are several of them. You've got your um, Golgi tendon organs, you've got your muscle spinders, your right endings, and your areas of touch. Um, that Those areas in the body is like a, a silent language. And when you come in tune to be understanding that there is this fabulous language and sixth sense in your body, you can tap into it and become much stronger because it's the communication with your whole body. And when you start in one section, you can feel how one area talks to the next area, talking next area, which we then call a chain reaction.
0: So as we talk about proprioceptors that help with different bone positions and the muscle and the fascia and the tension within the system, how can we apply that to our exercise programs and the way that we move? Like, what should we be looking for and how should we, we sh- be training these proprioceptors?
1: Well, the most simple example that I start with my clients, because whenever I start talking about this, I think I truly get the deer in the headlight. Look, um, because it's like so far and so out there, but it's so close. It's so close. It's inside you. Um, so I take a simple approach where I say, all right, take your, your, your big toe and press it down into the ground, nothing else. Feel how the tension happens in your foot. Feel how you feel tension up into the leg. Feel how you feel tension up to the knee. Feel how you feel tension up to the thigh. And better yet, feel the tension all the way into the pelvic bowl, which is right inside the belly. And as the client is just listening to this chain of energy and tension, then I say, okay, do it again and do it again. And sometimes, when they finally get that point, and I said, "All right, now start it from the belly and reach out and pull the toe down," so it starts being like an electromagnetic ping pong of being that starting from the core to reach out for a desired action versus taking the desired action and trying to bring it back, reel it back home. And when they realize that power, then I can then everything lights up, and then I have a very strong, attentive, present body that is willing
0: to learn so when we are looking at the proprioceptors and you mentioned earlier that a lot of your journey into the fitness world began with getting injured how can we work with the proprioceptors to allow the bones and the joints and the muscles and everything within the body to move in a way that prevents us from getting an injury during some kind of movement or exercise
1: um The way I would utilize that to prevent any, or if an area is is been injured or sensitive to um, um, movement that it doesn't desire or it's unfamiliar with, that what we can do is then turn it that as the client is dealing with the fear, which I usually ask, it goes, is this perceived pain or is it real pain, that um, when we go to do a move, that when they start feeling that little bit of pain in the area, then we stop that and we make that a threshold because that's an area of discomfort. I want the body to feel safe. And if the body feels safe, then it's going to relax and allow other different areas of the body to participate. And we can do that by uh, utilizing the proprioceptive um, component. So if someone is pressing, they're afraid that their low back is going to hurt and it's like, well, take your, you know, feel the, the um, cushion underneath your seat, feel how the pants are hugging up against your legs. And I bring them so in tune with what their body is experiencing that the body lands up correcting itself and then lands up securing the area of potential pain so that the body becomes relaxed and supported at the same time by a sense of awareness of where they stand in position.
0: Also when we're looking at um kind of exercises and proprioception what do you think of if I was a professional soccer athlete and all I did was traditional uh, exercises or traditional lifts and then I expect to go out onto the playing field to play at the best capabilities what do you think the proprioceptors are going to be able to do and how will they be able to perform at that type of level
1: Wow, that's a tricky question. <laughs> um, well, um, as because uh, a, as a typical answer would be that depends. Um, <laughs> um, if for as mean as I put, I didn't say before, but uh, I'm a fellow of the Gray Institute um, with the Gift Program, um, and also I studied in Applied Functional Science, so that's a true answer of it depends. Well, I would say, depending on the type of, you said traditional fitness training, which usually takes place in the sagittal plane of motion, which is that forward and backward action. And the body is not gonna be as familiar of the side to side and the rotation. So the proprioceptors are gonna probably go, whoa, what are you doing to me? And it's a totally scary position to be in for the body. So either it's gonna shut it down before it gets hurt or it's gonna get hurt and then it's going to scream at them for for mistraining for that sport. And then you're landing up with a, um, with a, that would probably be more of a soft tissue and that takes a long time to heal.
0: Yeah, which could definitely be a, a factor for why we see so many ACL injuries and hamstring injuries within a lot of different sports and not just soccer is because a lot of the programs that are Traditionally training these athletes aren't training the proprioceptors like what you're talking about
1: Exactly, they're not training them and putting them in a the position that they could take them into threshold and Train the body to be in that zone that it's going to be past threshold and be able to come home with control If it gets past that threshold, there's no way home and being able to get the body back into a safe position There's There's almost no way around injury um, and if they are, if they did not get injured, that the body did a great job with those proprioceptors detecting injury and then just shutting the body down and keeping it safe. Unfortunately, the emotion and, and gets hurt and they seem like when they failed on something because why should the body shut down? And you get the emotional bump on that, but the body is safe and we can work through the emotional bump.
0: And to just bring this into more context other than just Sports, this same strategy, this same uh, issue that we're talking about can be applied in a lot of different ways, such as if you're always training in a fast way during your exercise programs, and then you do a small little turn in your kitchen to grab some ingredients for the dish that you're making, and you Um, mess up your meniscus or something like that. Those are more real-life scenarios that happen pretty often, and we don't fully understand what led up to it, but a lot of times it's the way that we have worked with proprioceptors leading up to that point.
1: Yes, yes, Um, and I do train a lot of athletes and especially a lot of golfers um, where the small movements are really critical to a proper swing, and the small movements are critical to taking out um, a tray of cookies from the oven or a turkey. And and I actually had one client who who destroyed her low back taking out a tray of cookies because she took it out with one hand and she was all ready, you know, to take out this thin line of, t- of cookies where it landed being a little heavier than she expected and the body wasn't ready for it. Um, and so, and but with that, <clears throat> so our training program brought her back into a safe position and I'm, a, I'm i am known in the area that i am the queen of subtle movement and i wear my tiara with pride so <laughs> <laughs> so i brought the client into a nice simple position seated and stuff of that nature and i start waking up the thoracic spine i start separating the shoulder girdle from the thoracic spine and i have them feel each and move each small movement and then change hand position and then start waking up the body and they start feeling it and the one thing they go they say is wow wow i did not know my body could talk to me like this and and the relationship that shows up so when they go and get ready to take out the turkey again full investment it's a 20 pound turkey every single part of that body is going to be ready um like like i said earlier with the low row dirty child clean child pick them up put them down um That the same investment of doing a a tray of cookies is not the same because that's not as big of a mess. So, yeah, it's but being having that communication, wake up and have that compliance in every single move, whether you're getting up and down off the ground, whether you're in sports, whether you're a new mother, or you're a desk a desk executive and you have to bend over to the file cabinet and you do that little small motion, and then you're tweaked into pain.
0: Following that, you know, a fantastic way to strategically work with the proprioceptors to make changes within the body is to follow the principle strategy and technique phases that we have learned from the Gray Institute. So can you talk about some of the principles that we know and how that feeds into the strategies and techniques that you can use to work with the proprioceptors?
1: (laughs) Well, following the um, <clears throat> there's 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 different ways I can approach that, um, being that the um, the principles of truth we know about gravity, we know about mass momentum, we know about all those other things. We understand the the um, um, the principles of pushing and pulling. Um, so in in but the other part of the principle that I go into using the proprioceptive system is that as we as human beings we have a voice but your body has also a voice and being that your body has a voice it wants to be heard and how is it going to be heard so we need to follow the same rules as if we're going into a therapy session or just being present with somebody that as we know in order to be totally present we have one mouth and two ears and it was set up that for that reason So in taking the strategy of that, we're going to listen to the body that has a voice and it wants to be heard. And then we close everything down, become 100% present with that. Then we can start building a technique in order to start having the body be able to speak. And the way it's going to speak is through pain or it's going to speak through pleasure. And when the body, when you hear what the sto- what it wants to say through the exercises, as I may have someone just press down on a peanut on their lap and then feel the space in their vertebrae and, and, and chest and be able to suddenly breathe, that is a technique to, uh, relying on the strategy that we're going to listen to what it says, which then lays back on um, the truth that the v- body has a voice and it wants to be heard so applying that over and over and testing it forward and backwards that the client sees results in less than two weeks of two weeks of sessions that i actually have something solid to build upon and they and not better yet my client understands where i'm coming from they buy into it because they're in the process of making the program with me.
0: And as you are teaching the clients how to re-listen to their body, how do you approach any previous injuries that they may have had that might be hindering them or that they're worried about?
1: Well, I respect the injuries. I respect the history of the body. And a lot of times we hurry through and hoping that the body heals really fast but just as we try to gain weight, nobody tries to gain weight really fast. They try to lose weight fast. And so, um, it's, and so in this case, you know, you get hurt really fast, and then you hope to heal really fast. But everything takes time. So when the body is has been injured, it lands up. Um, not wanting to participate in an exercise so a lot of the times you when you get through an injury they say oh i'm just going to plow through the injury i'm going to run through this ankle pain um i'm just going to stand up and sit down through this pain but the body doesn't want to do and it keeps telling you that it doesn't want to play that way so I respect when a person comes in and has the history because not only does the body have the fear and the proprioceptors are saying as soon as you get motion, they're going screaming, no, 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 no. That we're saying we have to comfort them, saying it's okay, we're not going near you, we're not going to beat you up, and you know what? You're successful over here, so we're going to start working where it's successful and it's happy, and then um, and following the success begets success rule. I also say if I'm gonna focus an area where a client has fear and pain, that I'm not going to go there because one of the things I use as my, my true way of working is misery loves company. And so I start working where the company is and making them disappear so eventually we can soften the way to misery. And then once we get to the misery, then the client feels comfortable because all the company left the room.
0: I really like that misery likes company. That's a really—I've uh, never heard that one before, so I'm gonna have to remember that. But this—this uh, this type of working with someone's body sounds a lot nicer to the body than something like we'll just throw out CrossFit, where they just keep pushing and pushing even through the injuries, and they keep breaking the body down. In a lot of cases, I like the approach that you know, if something doesn't feel right, then you move away from it. And then you can find a different way to kind of get close to it, but not moving into that uncomfortable zone.
1: Exactly. So when company comes over to your home, let's say, and they, they really want to, you know, you're going to close the bedroom door because you don't want them in the quarters. Well, your body's the same way. It's going to shut the door on something because it doesn't want you in there. <laughs> you know, right? Um, and um, it, it's, it's the, the, so the different levels are how we approach things emotionally, how we approach things physically, and how we approach things spiritually um, are all the same principles. They, they're just on different levels of how you function. And being that I function on the body level, which I also very function on the emotional and spiritual level, because you can't, you can't break the three. Because where there's a body, there's emotions, there's a spirit behind it. And When you have someone who has a spirit and that really wants some emotion and they want some body action You gotta fix try to figure out what plane they you can meet them at in order to start the action So I have a client that's got it's getting ready for you know Potential knee replacement and wants to play golf again and it's like going okay And he's he's definitely in there, but his spirit is challenged right now because he misses his game You know, it's like, it's really sad. And then being able to take somebody who hasn't been able to run in a while and be able to rediscover running, that they find that hope and joy again. So it's not the exercise, it's also allowing the person, as I like to say, begin to melt. Start melting the layers of stress on them, practicing being present, releasing a little bit of body stress which then gives the body permission to do more. So the way I like to work with the proprioceptive and pulling this all together, is that I work with a client to put their eyes inside their body, meaning the proprioceptive system, so their body can serve them more. Because once they're being able to steer their body from the inside out, it's a powerful, powerful, confident and amazing thing to discover. They become buoyant on their feet. They suddenly find space in their joints. And more than better yet, they seem to get space in their head of that's just that was not there before.
0: So I'm also curious, because a lot of times when you work with a client at the very beginning, it seems like they're very disconnected from all the different Uh, positions that their body can be in and they don't really understand the different motions that the joints go and we see a lot of we'll just call it stiffness to make it simple Um, but a lot of it's just they don't have that connection to be able to move in the way that uh, we would like them to move so when you're working with the proprioceptors do you see changes in let's say posture and positioning and all that
1: oh absolutely Absolutely. Once the body kind of starts saying that it wants to go somewhere, we start letting, like I said, when the body starts to melt and it allows the rigidity or the stiffness starting to soften, the body starts talking within itself and it starts to wiggle. And it starts to shake itself out, and it's so great because the body's asking to be put back into posture without doing shoulders back, chin up, chest high. It, it automatically starts having that conversation, and it's and, and the person's brain will say, Something seems a little uncomfortable here. Body, fix yourself. And the next thing you know, there the body's just rising and lowering and kind of and adjusting itself on its own. And and my client just recently had this experience who's uh, challenging with balance issues. And she goes, I just said, I felt a little uncomfortable. And next thing I know, I'm doing this in my chair. She goes, I thought I was just having this slow, happy dance in my chair, but my body just did its own thing and resettled where it needed to be. I didn't try to fix it, it did it on its own. And and she was, I was just like high-fiving her on that one because I can imagine she's 70 years old. and. And this is the experience, this is a melting experience. This is ownership, this is respect, it becomes love.
0: Yeah, and it's fantastic to have people reconnect with their body and to feel like they can move it the way that it should be moved too. It's so empowering for them.
1: Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So now I don't have to worry so much about, you know, for her to fix anything or do the right exercise she can trust her body to guide her now where it needs to be and that the exercise is not right or wrong it's just the path the body's going to take and it's going to start with my guidance and her and her awareness it's going to then realign in the in the best most efficient position it can be in in a totally vested as going back to dirty child clean child you know and then she won't become dumb picking up a dumbbell there'll be respect for that idle weight
0: why have so many people lost that connection to their body. What has happened, or what are different factors that make it so people don't have that connection anymore?
1: Well, um, again, that's a really big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, and I'm a real big, um, heavy reader of um, uh, mind, body, and um, spirituality, such as Brene Brown, Amy Cuddy, um, and and all that, all that kind of work. Um, and and the amount of Um, isolation most of us have now also the sense that um, we're we're not sleeping so we're just surviving where the the demands at work that everybody thinks there's so many so many minutes per day they're trying to cram so much into such a little bit about a time that that they're not paying attention and um, and then with that, when you don't be paying attention, you suddenly find that you're in pain and you get an injury, as we talked about before, roughing through it, and they're not slowing down. Um, and, and the people are, are just, the, the eyes are in the phone, they're not seeing. So when you start putting your attention and your focus on everything else around you versus being what's going on in you, you're not gonna hear it. And when people start feeling a little bit better and when they finally get hurt and they start getting a chance to heal, that they think that it's done and they can start and work work totally out on that, but it's just starting to heal. One of the analogies I like to say is when you get an injury and you get your first kind of get some rest on it, you kind of put some scotch tape on it right and then you kind of heals a little bit scotch tape falls off and then next thing you know you could put a little bit of duct tape on it because it's feeling a little stronger but there's still limitations because the duct tape can fall off or the packaging tape you go a little strong you could put duct tape on it right instead of packaging tape but it's still going to fall off so people have to realize that as the body heals, it's a different layer of tape. It's not until you get the tape with the strings in it and everything else that you need a, a knife to scrape that tape off of you that you consider yourself healed and hopefully with no scar tissue. And, but that takes time. And they're always so quick to get back into action and losing the tape that I use as an analogy um, to keep, to make them function faster. And so they end up going backwards in time and then have to go through the healing process again and again, and which is much more frustrating each and every time you do it.
0: Another uh, really good point here is to also have patience and yes. patience as you work through all of this.
1: Yes. Patience. is real time. time. When, when some people go through surgeries, it's like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. It's like, oh, yes, you are. You're doing the most important thing you need to do. You're healing and you have to say it to them you know take time to heal it is a process it's you are doing something doing nothing is the best thing to do you're healing so you know you can do other things through mindfulness and you know get in and support yourself and do isometric or work with um, a trainer or a professional who's going to be able to work the body so it can move safely while you're healing, so it's not totally idle and you're not back not backpedaling into um, sedentary mo- motion.
0: And, uh- that, that brings up a really good point about working with someone that knows how to uh, work with the proprioceptors and to help you out if you are going through any kind of injury or surgery or something. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do anything. There could be very, very, very subtle things, and you as the queen of subtleness probably know this, you can do very subtle things to still stimulate the proprioceptors.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And also being aware on the proprioceptive level that if you're doing any upper body movement and you have a foot injury, to realize that chain reaction from a top-down approach is going to affect the tissue on the feet. So if you got your hands up high, it's gonna pull everything up with it. So you have to be careful, you have to be knowledgeable, and that's why I take such care in educating my clients to know how their body functions to see the st- see the tension lines and so when they get into to conversation with somebody that they can speak intelligently about how their body moves and actually and then own the information like what is it what's the definition of proprio proprio it's like one's own so they can own the proprioceptors and hear what they're saying it's such <sighs> It's, it's so cool i mean this is where i just have too much fun so going into it so yeah the so the proprioceptive is truly your sixth sense so if you have sight and hearing and taste and smell and 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 then touch then really your sixth sense is your proprioceptive sense it's not your seven it's it's not the seventh that psychic ability i say now moves to the seventh it's got to move over so <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's me in a nutshell, and that's all. You know, I was like, "Wow!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop right there. <laughs> Got to leave. Do you have any more information you would like to share about proprioceptors in the sixth sense?
1: Well, um, I would just say that this is a different way of training um we know it exists in anatomy physiology kind of way we we know that when people are in fitness training they say the body seems to get stronger automatically in a couple of weeks because this system is turned on but we need to become more aware that we have this beautiful communication system within our body and it's powerful and it keeps us safe and it challenges us to get stronger it's our guide and um that's what I have to say. And I want—I would wish that more people were able to be able to get and tap into their, this sense um, on, on a mindful set. You can put it that way. But for those who are not into the mindful practice, you need to be mindful that this is going on inside your body. Close your eyes and listen. Um, and it's just so, it's strong, it's strong. And the more of us can empower it, I could just, it's just be nice to see less injuries to see more um, more brave people going out there and not being afraid that their body's going to break under them because um, if they listen to their body, it'll steer them the right way.
0: Yeah, less injuries would be extremely helpful to pretty much everyone out there. No one ever wants to be injured. So that's a really good mission that you are on. And I also like that you are trying to bring exercise to anywhere, not just a gym, uh, Uh, environment and so that's where your website befitanywhere.com comes into play can you talk about what it is you provide at your website
1: Um, I what I what I do there is that I do a lot of coaching um, as you probably can hear just from the conversation it's a lot of conversation Um, I do personal fitness programs I do consulting um, create programs for small companies it's, I can do some distance training, distance coaching, so I can do a lot through from that are local. Because your audience is is global, so you know it's I can serve locally here, or I am located in Hillsborough, New Jersey. Um, but if you want me to, t- if I can help somebody in a distant level who can't get here, i would be more than happy to uh, work with them on a um, on a uh, on a web or an online format. Um, that can really use my services and able to bring it out there. And also in any motivational speaking in how to bring the sixth sense into their, into their um, daily lives.
0: And once again, that website is befitanywhere.com. That'll also be in the show notes. Are you on any social media platforms as well?
1: Uh, yes, you can find me on, um, Facebook and LinkedIn. And I think, um, that's it right now that's, you know, um, but those are the two big ones. But you can find me on Facebook. I have lots of pictures up there. Um, and, um, and and you can see so many promotions that might pop up along there as well.
0: Awesome, Gotta leave. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about proprioceptors. I know most people don't know what the heck those things are. So I'm glad that we were able to dive into it a little bit more to talk about what it is that they can do for your body. So thank you so much.
1: Hey, Brian, it'd be a real honor coming on here today. Thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful proprioceptive day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you have it, folks. If you weren't a believer in the sixth sense before, now you have no reason not to believe it because the proprioceptors do exist. Now you don't need to remember all of these fancy words that we might have used in this episode. The big key takeaway from this episode is just to know that anytime you move or do anything, you are influencing your nervous system. The idea behind all of this is that you want to influence your ner- nervous system in a way that will replicate what it is that you do on a daily basis. So, if you want to learn more about God to Leave and what she is offering, then go to befitanywhere.com and she's got a lot more information there. Also, if you have not joined our Facebook group, go to summitforwellness.com tribe, because in this group, we are going to be doing a lot more educational videos, and providing a lot more resources from us within this Facebook group. So we would love to have you in there and join us in all the fun that we will be bringing for you in the next couple months. And as always, keep climbing to the peak of your health, and we will see you next time.